Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 37, and our final episode of season one. Uh, my name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, we've got Beck, we've got Alex, Stacey sends her apologies. But guys, that, that's the question I've got for you off the top, is let's reflect back on our first season here at Mojo on the NFL show. It's uh, Look, it's been something really special. I think we've all uh, yeah, really enjoyed ourselves and really looking forward to season two. Uh, our first episode for season two will be released on the 13th of Jan. Uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a short break, but um, yeah, we'll be back in no time. Alex, uh, talk to us about your highlight from season one here on the NFL show. I mean, apart from getting to talk about the Berries and people having to listen to me talk about the Berries all the time, that's been fun. But I think for me, it's been like the underdog picks. Like I surprised myself a couple of times, but I love if you go back and you listen to the podcast, if you haven't already done so, go back and listen to them, where I get laughed at for my underdog picks and saying they're going to win by a field goal, and it ends up happening. I gave the Jags their first win. I gave Detroit their first win. I even said the Bucs are going to beat the Cowboys in the first game of the season by a field goal, and that ended up happening. So I think I've got some magic fairy dust here, people, and we just we still we keep making fun of me and laughing at me. Yeah, I hate to concede, but you've certainly left us in the dust when it comes to your tipping. Uh, it's certainly been, uh, been a big one. Uh, look, in, in terms of some of my favorite moments, look, a quick shout out to all of the interns that work on the show behind the scenes. Uh, uh, you guys have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, for our listeners, we're actually going to uh, look to bring on our interns um, onto the show into the new year uh, as a little bit of a special treat for everyone. Get to know um, some of the people behind the scenes that work hard on the show. So that's been absolutely great. Uh, on the show, in terms of NFL, it's been a great year. And, and that's been my biggest highlight has been I've been pleasantly surprised by my team, the New England Patriots. Certainly did not expect this from them. Uh, I love Alabama. I'd love everything about that program, but even myself didn't expect anything out of Mac Jones uh, in his first year. So, look, it's been great. Uh, It's been a really enjoyable season. I think what's made it really special is the fact that, you know, the games haven't been predictable. There's been so many upsets week in, week out, and I think that's made it really enjoyable. Uh, Beck, Beck, what about yourself? It feels like our first season's flown by, but, uh, yeah, great times. Yeah, I can't believe we've done 37 episodes. Like, that's crazy to think about. Like, I love coming on here and recording with you guys. Like, it's been so much fun just seeing your faces and just being able to talk football. Like, I can't get enough of football. I watch it every day. Like, I have the live network on all the time just because I like to hear about it, what's going on in the league. And then being able to come on and talk with like-minded people who want to just, you know, talk a lot of crap about football, really. <laughs> like, it's it's been so much fun. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed this season with you guys. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we're going to be covering a team that may be a little, uh, well, it's going to be a little bit of time before they find themselves in the Super Bowl, and that is the Detroit Lions. Now, Alex and Beck, our job tonight is to repair and fix this franchise, something that a lot of people have tried and failed at in the past. But before we do that, 
Alex, straight to you. Let's reflect on Detroit. Uh, let's take it back. Uh, let's talk about sort of, you know, the last decade. It has been it has been really, really difficult for fans that, that support and love. They have one of the most passionate fan bases in the competition, uh, and they had a special quarterback for a lot, a lot of years there. But, um, you know, it, it has been tough going for the people in Detroit. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's always hard when you're you're a fan of a franchise like that because you're like, oh, this year, it's okay. We're in a rebuilding this year. And then you kind of, you're hoping for next year and you think it's going to happen. You do really well in the draft and you go, oh, okay, well, well, we'll, we'll rebuild this year. And it's like, they've kind of been in that rebuilding phase for a while. I think for me with Detroit is it looks like they've kind of tried to do band-aid fixes, if you will. Like they haven't kind of gone out and gone, these are the players we need to get. These are the positions we need to get. I mean, what what's tough with a franchise like that is they had some stellar players for a while who were absolute beasts at what they did. Um, and I think when you have big players, especially some players who kind of stopped playing before it was kind of like while they're in their prime, which, you know, we always talk about that, right? You want to finish in your prime and on a high, but you leave a hole in the franchise, if you will. And I think that's happened to um, Detroit a little bit because they've had some solid players go out right at the top of their game. And then it's just kind of, they go, well, we don't have anybody to fill in that spot because we haven't had any, but we haven't had a chance to, you know, slide them in because that player has been consistently doing well for us. So I think they're, I think they're heading in the right direction as far as that rebuilding is going. I know they've been rebuilding for years, but I think with with Stuhl in the last draft, with Goff, you know, with Dan Campbell coming in this year, I think they've got some good players. And when you look at Dan Campbell, right, he came from the Saints. And I think what's tough is when you come from a winning franchise like that and your assistant coach and you go into head coaching role, the front office is like, well, you'll fix it for us. And it's like, well, okay, that's fine, but you got to give him things to work with and I think golf has a lot of potential I think their run game has a lot of potential I think their run game is probably a strength for theirs I think injuries have really plagued them this season I think COVID has really hit them hard this season Um, so I would like to see them develop their defense but I would do that in the lower rounds as far as the draft goes get kids that want to learn get some young kids that go out there know what they're doing and get them to learn because I think that'll be a strength in a year or two's time but I'd be looking at that receiving core. I'd be looking to bolster that receiving core, try and get a, a bigger name in and try and get maybe a young kind of rookie underneath that. You still got TJ Hawkinson, who's a great tight end um, for them, who's a consistent player for them. But I think they need people around him in their receiving room outside their tight ends so they can take off the load of him a little bit. Yeah, and Beck, I guess, you know, the, this franchise really was at a crossroads, uh, you know, at the quarterback position. You know, we know Matt Stafford, you know, all of the amazing things that he can do. But, you know, when the phone rings and you've got to take that call and, and you get offered that compensation, uh, I, I guess, you know, it, it, it's really hard to turn down. So the offer that came through from uh, the LA Rams was two first round picks and a third round pick. Uh, and, and also you get Jared Goff as well. If you're in that hot seat, you know, what, what's the, what, what decision are you making there? Do you, do you agree with what Detroit did there in that trade? Uh, yeah, 100%. I would have jumped on that trade in no time. Like you're getting two first round picks as well as a quarterback who's probably, if not as good or better than Stafford. So it's not like you were trading down in that position either. Like Stafford, like you said, had been there for many, many years and had done great things. Like he's a great talent, 
but he also hadn't got them, you know, to a Super Bowl. Like he wasn't going to be their franchise quarterback anyway, because if he was, he would have done it already, I feel like. So they were kind of rebuilding, but not with the right quarterback. And I think this trade could potentially lead them into that position because Goff is still quite young. Like he still has a few years of playing him. Like he could become that franchise quarterback at the Lions if they do, like Barker said, get that receiving core built around him because he has the arm to throw the ball. Like he's not like he has so much potential as a quarterback. I just think, you know, that he needs receivers. And I think under this head coach as well, who, you know, we've seen the passion that these players have for him and how much they love him and want to win for him. So, and I think that, you know, Jared Goff is just going to go all out to make that happen for him as a coach. And the coach is going to put in just as much effort to make Goff the best player that he can be as well. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Jared Goff, um, you know, can make this happen. You know, is he going to be the guy or is he just the guy, you know, and I think that's something that Detroit have got to figure out. And, you know, part of that comes back to where the NFL's headed. You know, he's just a pocket passer. He needs speed all around him. He needs an absolutely loaded offense to get the most out of him. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, definitely you know, going to be interesting there. But I think, you know, part of the, comp- uh, the compensation that comes through, Alex, you know, draft capital, I think it's a little bit more valuable for franchises like Detroit because they're not exactly a free agency hot destination. It's uh, it's very very difficult to attract players to the Detroit market to the franchise. So um, yeah, obviously that's very very important. But uh, yeah, and 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 Alex, the question I've got for you too is, you need a little bit of luck. Uh, you know, when it comes to these seasons, you know they went out, they drafted Jeff Okuda, you know, interesting player, flashed, look look like a special talent, and then goes down with a season ending injury. I mean, it's just yeah. It's very, very difficult when you're in the Lions position and then have one of your best young players go out for the season. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing with young players is when you are in that rebuilding phase, you want to make sure they're getting the reps in, that they're getting that game time in, they're utilizing what they're putting into practice, they're learning the game what's in front of them, especially coming from college because it's so different, like college football and NFL football. And I think that, like, if you go watch, I think listeners should go watch college football and go watch NFL because it is, they are two very different games. And, um, and I think when you come into the NFL, the last thing you want to do is get injured because that's going to take time off from you. It's going to take reps away from you. It's, and, and there's somebody kind of waiting in the wings, right. In those like running back positions, in those wide receiver positions and defensive positions, or even the quarterback position where if you get injured and you're out and somebody steps up and they do a better job, you're kind of then their replacement. You lose your starting role. So I think that's it's always hard to use a young player, especially on a team like the Lions, who probably put a little bit more emphasis and pressure on their youngsters because they want them to help them. They want them to help build this franchise back up. And I think it's also hard being in a in a in a division where you've got the Packers, you've got the Bears, and you got the Vikings. Like, okay, Detroit and the Vikings kind of flip-flop and they have the last two years as far as the, the bottom two kind of go. But when you got the likes of the Packers and the Bears who are strong teams, it's gonna you're gonna need some outstanding kind of players to be able to get to that top of the top of the division. Yeah, no, that's a great point. They're certainly not not coming up against the Jets or the Jags, and uh, yeah, it, it makes things very very difficult for Detroit. Uh, Beck, the question I've got for you, and I, and I think we've raised this previously, but we've had a little bit more time to think about it. We've watched Jared Goff a little bit more. I guess one of the one of the positives to the NFL is that if your team 
is struggling and if they are the worst team in the competition, which Detroit are at the moment, you know, I, I guess you kind of debate that, you know, but I guess that's what the record sort of says. It does mean that you do get the number one pick and, that, and that's where this team's headed for 2022. So the question I've got for you guys, and we'll go around the table is what would you do with that number one pick headed into next, next season? Uh, Beck, going to start with you. Um, this is a super tough one and it's hard to just kind of like pick someone when you know that like, you know, in the NFL, they have scouts that go around and look at players and they plan like an entire year on what they're going to need for this draft. Um, but when you look at this team on the surface, I think Parker like put the nail on the head when she said that they need receivers. They need really good, strong receivers They're gonna, that are going to be able to run really crisp routes. Um, and are going to have really good hands so that Goff can put the ball up to them and have confidence that they're going to be able to go and grab it in. And it's going to put so much less pressure on this run game that they um, that they have. Not that it's a bad run game, because I think that's probably is what is their strongest part of the team at the moment between um, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Like they're having great seasons between the two of them, um, currently injured, but they will, you know, um, I think if they can keep them in the backfield for the next season and then build with some new rookie receivers, um, this offense could become something special. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, Swift and Williams are good as running backs, but they're running backs, but they're also their top targets when they come in receptions as well. So you want to alleviate that from them and go just focus on the run game. Don't worry so much on the targets. So I do think they should look at, at wide receivers. I think also they should look at, corners and safeties I think they really need to bolster that secondary because I feel like that's where they have been let down a little bit this past season they just don't have the players that have the awareness they don't have the players that that can see the ball and look to go make those interceptions or even get those tackles like they miss very easy tackles um but I think if you're going to look at that I'd, I'd go get a veteran player as a corner as a safety and have that person be the leader of your defense Right. I would draft draft a receiver and then go look to see if you can pay a veteran cornerback or safety to lead that defense and have somebody go, this is how we're going to play. Yeah, look, if it was me, and thank God it's not, it would have to be one of the most stressful things uh, to be in that draft room and trying to figure this, this whole thing out. But, you know, you've got two first-round picks to play with. Uh, you'll have the first overall pick and then you'll have one later in the first round. Uh, what I would like to do is unload that that first pick, trade it away, get a stack of picks, and then go and really rebuild this team. But the problem is it's, this is the first year where it's not a loaded quarterback class. So that, that, first, that first pick, it's not worth as much as what it has been in the past few years. So, you know, your, your quarterbacks such as Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, they, no one's trading up and giving you, uh, you know, giving you four, you know, first round picks for that number one pick. So it does make it really, really difficult for me. I, I think the Lions are pushed into a corner on this one. I think they're going to have to go, you know, one of these generational talents for on the defensive side of the ball, uh, your Thibodeaux, your Hutchinsons. I, I think they're going to have to just, you know, they're going to have to take the pick. But yeah, any other year, um, it, it's certainly not what I'd, 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 it's certainly not what I'd be wanting to do um, when I'm trying to rebuild the franchise. Yeah, definitely. I think this is the classes coming in. They're quite strong defensively. And I think you've got a lot of defensive players that are going to go in the first round, probably more so than we've seen in the last couple of years. And I wouldn't be surprised if a first pick, especially if Detroit don't trade it away, if they go with a defensive player. Yeah, and uh, there's a pretty special corner in Florida, uh, Elam. I, I think you know if you can get him towards the the, uh, the back end um, of, of that first round, I, I think that will certainly um, stiffen up that defense. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, look, just time to give our quick little predictions uh, for their final record. 
Uh, it's going to be bleak, I think, from the three of us, uh, just to round off Detroit. But I guess the, 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 the I guess the question that I've got for you is more: Will this team finish last? Will this team have the number one pick in the twenty twenty two NFL draft? We're just going to go around the grounds. Beck, Lions, do they have the number one pick next season? Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. Like, even if they do win one or two more games in the season, I think the other teams that are on the same record or that as them or high, I think could potentially win another two games as well. So I think no matter what happens in these last four, five, three, three, four games of the season, I don't think it's going to change their record. And I think they are going in with that number one pick. Yeah, look, for me, I think the Texans are playing some decent football, uh, you know, probably at the wrong time for them. So I think that makes it hard for Detroit. And the Jets just refuse to do a great job when it comes to the draft. So even though they're a terrible franchise, they still win uh, pointless games at at the worst possible time. So unfortunately, I've got Detroit picking up that number one pick. Alex, what about yourself? Yeah, I could see them getting that pick. I mean, they've got Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks as their last three games of the season. You're not going to beat the Cardinals, and you're not going to beat the Seahawks. You could potentially pull out a draw against the Falcons, potentially, maybe. I mean, they surprised everyone got a draw against the Steelers. So, but I would be surprised if they if they don't. I think the Falcons would really have to not show up at all for Detroit to have to win that one. But they did pull that one off against the Vikings. So, as we've seen this season, anything can happen in football. But I do see the Detroit Lions getting that number one pick. All right, guys, let's move through to our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Now, Alex, walking down the street, I've often heard you just randomly walk up to people and try and convince them to listen and watch college football. And I guess part of the reason is because of the spectacular rookies, some of the spectacular players that play in college football. Um, you know, it, it, it truly is remarkable. And that's what we've got for you tonight when it comes to the match. Uh, two of the best rookies in the competition going head-to-head in Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons, both on different sides of the ball, but are truly special. Alex, um, talk to us about college football and some of the talent that's coming out at the very, very top. I mean, you know, th- these kids are not just coming in and, and, and just, you know, finding their way. They're coming in and dominating the competition. It's It's an incredible class, this one. Yeah, it is. I mean, I love college football. I love watching college football. Sometimes I like it more than NFL because I think these kids are giving everything they can to the schools they play for because they genuinely love the sport, right? And I think when you look at the NFL, yes, we understand that sport is a business and there is a business side to college. You can go into transfer windows and that's always kind of fun when you watch transfer windows. Um, especially going into the later half of the season for college, you see quarterbacks changing. I mean, Justin Fields, who plays for the Bears now, came from Georgia, went to, you know, start at Ohio State. You look at Joe Burrow, he was a backup at Ohio State, transfer window to LSU to be the starter there. I mean, you look at those types of stories. If Joe Burrow had never left Ohio State, would he still be the same kind of player he was where would Justin Fields have gone if Joe Burrows had stayed? Like, that's always interesting, too. So you do get that aspect of it, which is so much fun. But you get some just, like, amazing skill and athleticism because these kids literally go out every night and they play their hearts out. But also you're playing it in front of, like, thousands of students who are just, like, so happy to be there. But also you're playing in front of the Booster Club. You're playing in front of, like, fans who have been fans of the school for years and years. So – 
I love college football just because I think it brings such an interesting fan base. And I've been to Columbus on game day and it's just like you see everybody walk around in their Ohio State gear and it's just it's it's a lot of fun and it's just a different type of energy on game day in these big college cities. So, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend people go watch college football for sure. Yeah, I don't think people understand in Australia how crazy the towns get and the cities get for their college teams. Like they go all out. Like you think NFL fans are crazy. Like I feel like these college fans are just insane. Like it's next level. You have like your neighbor coming to watch you play. You have like the guy down the street. Like it's, and like you said, all your school friend, like friends are coming to watch you play. Like it's, it's like, it's another, it's next level. It's nothing like sport that we have here in Australia. And these kids are like 18, 19. They're coming out of high school and they're like stars, right? Like I I was in an Uber once going to a a Ohio State basketball game and the guy that was driving me was like, oh yeah, I drove Zeke to a game once. Like Ezekiel Elliott was in the same Uber that I was. And I was like, what? Was he sitting here? Like that's like, it's just, it's random stuff like that where these guys, they like, they go from like everyday kids who are doing really well in, in high school to like these big stars that people just love to watch. And I think that's, that's such a fun aspect to it. But yeah, it's, there's nothing quite like it. I think anywhere in the world, as far as college sports go, it's just a whole different level on itself, but it's so fun. And the atmosphere is so cool. And then what's even better is the fact that these players who absolutely start at the college level can come in and dominate at the NFL level. And I think that's what makes it particularly special guys. Let's start with Jamar chase. Uh, now, I, I didn't take him as a comedian, but uh, clearly that, that's part of Jamar's uh, makeup because, you know, if we take ourselves back to the preseason, I think his quote directly to the media was that, you know, he, he's finding it really hard to catch the ball. The ball's a little bit different in the NFL. Uh, you know, from all reports, he couldn't catch a cold. And everyone is just panicking, thinking, oh, my God, Cincinnati have blown this pick. They've, they've, they've picked a receiver who can't catch the football. Who knows Who knows how he was, you know, one of the best players in college football. Beck, he uh, he kind of had us all fooled because uh, very, very quickly we got to see the real Jamar Chase and he, he is something special. Yeah, I really hope that that was like some sort of internal joke that he had with like him and Joe Burrow. They were like, let's really mess with the media and just tell them that like I'm terrible and I can't catch the ball and all the other teams will think that I'm terrible and then we'll go out and surprise them week one and I'll just ball out and, you know, have a hundred yard game, my first NFL, you know, start. So yeah, it'd be, if he comes out and says that it was all just a hoax, like I would love that because I'd fall even more in love with him. But um, yeah, like he's super impressive. Yeah. I think he's a really fun receiver to watch too. And you, you do like that relationship with Joe Burrows and with Jamar Chase. And I think that does, I think there's a huge benefit for drafting a wide receiver who has played with the quarterback that you have, I think, because they already have that relationship, right? And you see that sometimes when you have rookie quarterbacks, right? We look at Devontae Smith, um, who probably doesn't have the same relationship as as Jamar Chase and Joe Burrows, and it takes a little while sometimes to get into the league. It takes a little while to get into the game. But Jamar Chase, first game, had over 100 receiving yards, right? And now he's he's 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. And he's only the fifth rookie in NFL history to do, the, do that in Super Bowl era. And he's in likes with Ola Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, right? Randy Moss and John Jefferson, okay? And that's an elite class uh, of rookie receivers. When they came in the league, they're a big deal too. So to be kind of having your name thrown in there and to have kind of just one season under your belt and for him to be able to 
put up the performance that he has. I think it just shows that that LSU relationship between the two has been a key factor into why they've been so successful. Let's not forget, though, that this pick was a major risk for these guys to take, right, because he had that blowout season with Joe Burrows in 2019, but then he sat the COVID season in 2020. So he didn't play for an entire season and then got drafted, you know, by the Bengals fifth overall. So this was a risky pick for them to start with and then to have that preseason like they did. Like the entire coaching cohort would have been absolutely shitting themselves, being like, what have we done? But then, like you said, he's come out and he's had, you know, an amazing season, 10 touchdowns. Like I think um, he even had a game, I can't remember what week it was, against the Ravens where he received for over 200 yards. Like I don't think we've ever seen a rookie wide receiver come out and have a game of 200-plus receiving yards. Like he's next level. And like I said, he's so fun to watch on the field. Like you just see him get open, like the catches he makes, he's, you know, his celebrations, he's so happy to be out there. It's like he genuinely loves playing football. Like that's what it looks like. Like he just, he looks like he's just out there having a great time. And there's kind of no like attitude to him, right? When you look at the likes of like Claypool and some other players that have been in the league for maybe one or two or a couple years, right? They develop this kind of like attitude or even some receivers that come in as a rookie, they're like, oh yeah, I was drafted fifth or first or whatever. And you know, I, I'm this, this and that. But I think his his talent speaks for itself. And I don't think he needs to have that sense of arrogance about him because he is good at what he does. He's good at catching the ball and he's consistently good at catching the ball, but he's also that player. And I think if you watch their game against the 49ers, he was an integral part of that kind of comeback because Joe Burrows at one point, right? He was scrambling out of the pocket and he needed somebody and Jamar Chase just did a little bit of a cutback and he was wide open for a touchdown. And he just, he understood, he just tiptoed, kept his feet in bounds. Like he's just, he's a phenomenal watch, but he was fun to watch at LSU too with Joe Bars. But I think also one thing you got to be mindful of with the preseason. Yes, that's hilarious. But also that like, it's just preseason and they're just rookies. Like you got to give them that time to develop. Yeah, and I was kind of, you know, I was definitely on the train of, uh, you know, let, let's go and draft Penny Sewell and let's protect Joe Burrow off that knee injury. And now I can see, you know, he's he, he still playing well in Detroit, but, you know, he still lets in a few sacks against uh, Jared Goff. So uh, they definitely made made the right decision there. And, and you're right, uh, what you were saying earlier is that they've created a new model where this, this QB wide receiver pairing is probably something we're going to see more and more of. So I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they've certainly created the future there. And look, uh, Chase, he's going to be in the running for uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mack will probably beat him out because of all the love for QBs. But yeah, you know, he, he otherwise, you know, definitely, definitely be in the running for that one. All right, guys, let's flip it over now to Micah Parsons and Alex I guess the question that we want to talk about, you know, when, when it comes to Micah Parsons and also Jamar is the risk that, and Beck spoke about this earlier, the risk that both of these players took when they took the year off with COVID. I, I don't think there's been enough media coverage and enough spoken about that because, you know, you, you go in, you're an, you're an absolute elite player. You know, you're going very high in that first round. You know, it, it becomes a business decision, but at the end of the day, it's still a long time without playing football. Uh, talk to us about that because, yeah, something that probably wasn't uh, talked about enough. Yeah, I think when you kind of look at that, you go, oh, they sat out the COVID season. I think that was a benefit to these players. And I the reason I say that is because when you look at the COVID season, it was a really short season for college football. They tried to cram a lot of games in. They tried to get a lot of game time in. And then they didn't have much of a break well, I guess they would have had a break up until the up until the draft. Um, 
but you're kind of just jumping straight from college then into the NFL. And I think sometimes that's where you see a lot of injuries happen with, with rookie players is because they go from all these college, they go from a big college season and then they have the playoffs if they make it, yada, yada, yada. And then they have the draft and then they're, go- they're doing, you know, draft camps and combines and working out for that. And then they're going straight into the NFL and they're going to train. So they don't get a break from football. And I think sometimes mentally that's a good thing for them because then you get to reset and go, well, is this something I actually really, really love? Is this something I really want to do? But also it allows your body to kind of rest. You're not hammering it home. You're not running it into the ground a little bit. And I think with the way the COVID season worked for sports, it was a detriment to a lot of players because you see that kind of like injury spike, I think has happened because of COVID because of the quick season, short season, and then the short kind of turnaround. Uh, um, and then trying to adjust to training with with COVID safety protocols. So I think this has worked in Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons' um, favor sitting out for the COVID season because they're putting up big numbers and they haven't been injured. They haven't been questionable. They haven't, you know, they've been able to play every game since they've been drafted. I think it also goes to show how much football knowledge these two players carry, right? Because to be able to, like you said, it's a benefit to not play the season so that you can rest your body and recover. I mean, of course, they still would have been training. They wouldn't have just done nothing for 12 months. They would have been working hard um, off the field. But also to not physically be playing in the game and still be able to come into the season and have such a great football knowledge about what is happening in the game, where you need to be, you know, what plays you need to make, like that kind of stuff. I don't think that comes so easily to most players and for these two players to be able to come out and just jump onto the ball like that, like it's super impressive. Yeah. And and when it comes to Micah Parsons, I think it's really interesting. I think he, he fell into the exact right franchise. I I think the Cowboys have got a tradition of doubling down, you know, even, even if they've got a a strength, they'll still pick the best player. You know, they did that uh, when it came to, you know, the the wide receiver position with C.D. Lamb in previous drafts. They already had Amari Cooper. And then in terms of pass rush and and getting pressure, that's something they have well and truly covered. Um, You know, with Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, and, and you know, they clearly saw the talent in Micah Parsons and, and they've sort of brought him in. But we have not seen a player dominate on the defensive side of the ball in their rookie season like this for a very, very long time. Alex, I think I've spoken on previous episodes in terms of how impressed I am about Micah. I mean, he's a shoe-in for the defensive rookie of the year, but I think he should be part of the MVP conversation. You know, you always want that one player that competes against the quarterbacks. Talk to us about, you know, what your thoughts have been on Micah in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, yeah, his rookie season because he is, yeah, he, he's something special. Definitely. I mean, he's totaled up 52 solo tackles, 12 sacks. Right. I mean, for him to have a game in week nine, like he did, where he had two and a half sacks for that game, just alone is is a good stat to have as a rookie. Like some guys get that, you know, that stat, but they've been in the league for a while. Right. You're in the you're in the you're talking about T.J. Watt or, you know, um, who's a Chicago player. Um, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, thank you. I should know that. Um, right. But he's now sometimes you don't get your name kind of mentioned as a defensive player because you kind of get a little bit lost sometimes because there's other stars out there. But I think Micah Parsons kind of came in and said, look, I'm earning every rep that I'm getting. And he's gone out there and he's been able to get those sacks, get through those lines and be that determined play where every game I think they're talking about Micah Parsons and a play that he's had, whether it's a 
you know, forced fumble, which he has three so far on the season. So his name is getting put in the conversation and rightly so he deserves it because he's had a heck of a rookie season. Yeah, he's absolutely causing chaos. And uh, look, let's jump into our predictions now. So no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. And I'm going to jump in first. I've got to go with Micah. He is winning football games on the defensive side of the ball. And that's just the... I, I, you just love to see it, and I, and I think for a lot of the purists out there that follow the NFL, it just goes to show that it's not always the quarterback. If you get a special player, things can turn around there. Michael Parsons for me. Beck, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of like ju- – I think everyone likes to see a good offensive player because that's what makes games exciting, right? Seeing these big plays come out and watching Jamar Chase, you know, catch – you know, 40-yard touchdowns. It's super exciting and everyone, you know, remembers him for that. But for me, I I love watching a defensive player and someone like Micah Parsons who just has so much passion and energy on that side of the ball. It gets me so fired up and so excited about football and I just love watching him play. So I I would love to be on the opposite side playing on the field with him, like me being, you know, the outside linebacker, him being the middle linebacker. And that's just like it'd be so much fun, I think, just playing alongside him. So Micah Parsons is my pick. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And the other thing, too, is they're restricting him a little bit, too. You know, obviously, they, they drafted him as a linebacker. They put him on the edge, and he's absolutely just, you know, destroying the competition. I I, I can see him actually pushing out, uh, you know, one of these big-time players in, at, at Dallas and just keeping him on the edge because, um, you know, he's, he's racking up all these stats, and they're moving him in different positions because he can dominate in so many spots. Uh, special, special player. Alex, that's enough of me talking about how great Micah Parsons is. We'll give you the mic uh, as well. Um, again, you know, not to take anything away from Jamar Chase, great player. Uh, where are you going in this one? I think I'm going to go with Micah Parsons too, only because like Jamar Chase, he was drafted to catch balls and that's his job. Like it's his job to catch footballs. So like it's when that's your job and you're putting up the numbers you're supposed to, then you're kind of like, okay, well, you're getting, you're doing the job you're getting paid to do. Whereas Micah Parsons, I feel like, he, he could, you know, he's, he could go either way as a player. And I think he's kind of really stepped up and he's been that last puzzle piece for that defense for the Cowboys that they've needed. And that bolster and that kind of young blood and that drive and that hunger where he's like, I'm getting that ball or I'm getting you no matter what. So for me, I like that kind of like drive behind him. So I'm going to go Michael Parsons. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're Yeah, and the question that I've got for you guys in Rapid Fire is uh, talk about the position group. Uh, that you'd be drafting for your football team. So I'm going to jump in first. And, uh, well, uh, life is good in New England because once you've got your quarterback, drafting becomes uh, a lot more simple. And, uh, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, we've obviously nailed there with Mac Jones. So for me, um, you know, thinking about that first-round draft pick that the Pats will get, hopefully it's going to be very late uh, depending on this season. Uh, but I'd trade down. You know, this is where the Pats are in a great position. Uh, they have a lot of depth um, on both sides of the ball. So I, I'd, be tr- I'd be trading down, um, get a few more picks. And then what I would be doing is I'd be investing in the wide receiving core, one that we've been traditionally mocked for in the past. Uh, we have a little bit of talent there with some free agents. Uh, Kendrick Bourne has been outstanding. Nelson Aguilar has been okay, but we really need to find uh, a special talent. So uh, let's double down. Let's get a couple of receivers um, into into that football team and um, hope to hope to take Mac Jones's uh, game to the next level. Uh, Beck, you know, it's, again, it's been a very up and down season there in Seattle. There's quite a few different 
uh, areas that probably need patching there uh, for the Seahawks. Um, yeah, over to you. You've got the you've got the draft capital. Uh, let, let's see. Let's see where you go here. Oh man, where to start? It has been yeah a season. You you can definitely say it's been a struggle. Um, but I think um the more obvious struggle that we have had that has had a massive impact is on our defense. And I think our D line more than anything. Um, has struggled a lot. Um, we really need to build up that D-line to be able to pass rush. Like we get no pressure on quarterbacks. I think we are probably one of the worst teams in the league for sacks at the moment. So it'd be nice to be able to get back up there on that side of the ball and to be able to have some run stop as well. Like I think we're relying way too heavily on our linebackers to come down into that run stop and even our secondary are making tackles on runs, which is so disappointing when your D-line are the ones that should be making that initial contact. So yeah, for that first round pick I would love to see us pick up a big beast style pass rushing D lineman um and then you know obviously our O-line we always struggle on our O-line for some reason it's just not consistent ever so a D lineman and an O-lineman would be nice to start with yeah but I, I guess the question is in what draft because you know the Seattle Seahawks they just continue to give up their draft picks so I think one of the starting points there is to trade away uh, J- uh, Jamal Adams and try and get a little bit of compensation back because uh you know, they uh, they continue to give away their draft picks, but let's just see how they go. I mean, this year we still have 90% of our draft picks. I think we've only lost one out of the seven rounds. So hopefully we can hold on to those and keep that capital and pick up some good rookies that are really wanting to make a spot on the team and make an impact. This is the year they rebuild. Uh, and let, let's, uh, fingers crossed there for Beck. Uh, Alex, what about yourself? Again, you're relaxed, you're confident, got a big smile on your face, you've got your quarterback, uh, drafting's a little bit easier. Where are you going here to support Justin Fields? Um, I got to go wide receiver uh, just because the Bears don't have any first-round picks this year. We traded away the Giants to get – Justin Fields, which I'm okay with. I'm fine with it. It'll be fine. Um, so, like, dare I say Chris Olave in the second round from Ohio State as a receiver. I mean, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, but the more I say it, I, hopefully somebody's hearing me in the front office of the Bears and they go, you know what, she's, you know, she, she's got – she's on a good pathway. We'll, we'll listen to her. So, wide receiver, just someone to bounce out, Darnell Mooney, um, especially if Allen Robinson – doesn't come back to the Bears next year. I think they're going to need that second receiver outside of the tight end role in Cole Komet. So I'd like to see that. Um, and then in the later rounds, I'd like to see kind of bolster that secondary a little bit. Um, I think that's a, an issue for us. I do like our, our rush defense. I think we're okay there. We're a little bit old in that fact. So we've got some vets there, but I think they're doing well. Robert Quinn, um, Akeem Hicks, when he's, when, you know, um, he's healthy, uh, be good to have him back. But yeah, I'd like to see those corners, um, and even the safety kind of help out a little bit, but definitely that second wide receiver to bounce off Darnell Mooney so that if he gets man marked and covered, we have another option outside of our fantastic run game. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight, and that is a wrap on Season 1 of the NFL Show here at Mojo Sports. Uh, Just wanted to say on behalf of the team, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk NFL uh, week in, week out, and we're only having a short break uh, over over the Christmas break. Just wanted to wish all our listeners all the very best. Please stay safe over the break. Enjoy enjoy yourselves. Obviously, we've had a had a tough couple of years. Uh, obviously, with the COVID situation, so take the opportunity to uh, spend some time with family and friends. Really enjoy yourself. And until next time, we'll see you then.